We were not friends of God. We were not children of God. We were enemies of God. We talked this morning in Sunday school about loving your enemies. God loved us. Even when we were unlovely, God loved us. And yet, he sent his son to die for us, to give us this eternal life, to be part of his family. Good morning. God is good. And all the time, God is It is sweet to trust in Jesus, by the way. We're going to turn today to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. And this is where Paul begins to make the correlation between Adam and Christ. And how Christ was the second Adam. Essentially, the one who got it right. The one who did it correctly. And so, Paul deals here with this uh, correlation in such a way that to show us that Christ is the only way. Christ is the only way. So, let's read, shall we? Are we all at Romans chapter 5? Verse 12, starting with verse 12. Crazy fan. Therefore, as sin came into the world, therefore, though one man and death through sin, so death has spread to all men because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not counted when there is no law. Nevertheless, death resigned from, reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's sin, who was a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if, though, if through the trespass of one man many died, then how much more has the grace of God and the free gift of, his, of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many? The gift is not like the result that came through the one who sinned. For the judgment from one sin led to condemnation, but the free gift which came after many, many trespasses leads to justification. For if by one man's trespass death reigned through him, then how much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in, li in life through the one Jesus Christ? Therefore, just as through the trespass of one man came condemnation for all men, so through the righteous act of one came justification of life for all men. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were, meant, the many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one the many will be made righteous. Righteous. 
but the law entered so that sin might increase. Where sin increased, grace abounded much more, so that just as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your obedience to the cross, for being our second Adam, that we might be justified to you. Thank you for that. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Adam and Christ. Adam and Christ. The differences of the two. Through Adam, all have sinned, but through Jesus, all are made righteous. Through the sin of Adam, we don't have a choice. We're all sinners. But through, through the obedience of Christ, we must choose to be made righteous. God gave us the ability to choose our own will our own desires, our own agendas. But yet we must, if we want to be justified to God, we must choose Jesus. We must choose life. He says, Therefore as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men because all have sinned. If there is a baby born on this world today, there are probably many, they've all sinned. It's hard to fathom when you think about it. A little innocent little baby, six to eight pounds, but yet that innocent little baby is sinful. And that little innocent little baby is sinful because of the act of one man, Adam. Because of his disobedience, the, the sin nature was brought about into the world and therefore we must choose Jesus because we have all sinned. What does it say? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Ben, you've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. For until the law sin was in the world... But sin is not counted when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not, had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's sin, who was a type of him who was to come. Now, Abraham was a type of Jesus. If you look in the scriptures, you read the commentaries, there were types of Christ all throughout the Old Testament, and there were types of things that were pointing to Jesus. One of those things was the ark. One of those things was the parting of the Red Sea. Uh, there were many of those kinds of things. The, the lamb that was, uh, the yearly lamb that was slain, that was a picture of Jesus. Every sacrifice that required blood was a picture of Jesus. Abraham was a picture of Christ. He was a sinner, yet he believed God beyond the law. Beyond the law. He believed God fully in his heart, and therefore was 
counted for him as righteousness. He was righteous beyond the law because of his belief in God. Jesus would come to save. And the interesting thing about that is Jesus made that decision prior to creation. And we've said this many, many, many times in here, and you might be saying, well, he's saying it again. But that's true, and it's very powerful that prior to creation, Jesus made the opportunity for himself to be our sacrifice for our sin. He saw us at our worst, and he saw us at our best, and yet he decided to be our sacrifice. And so he was to come. He was to come to save us from our sin. But that salvation is a choice. He came and did the work. He came and died. He came and, and uh, was beaten and, and, and died and was buried and rose again. He did all that work, but yet we still have to choose. We, we are not automatically going to heaven through his work, although we are automatically going to hell through Adam's decision. We must choose. We must choose Jesus. Now, he goes on. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if the trespass of one man, many died, then how much more has the grace of God and the free gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many? People die every day without knowing Jesus. Do we understand that? Do people, people die every day. Church-going people die every day, and they don't really know who Jesus is. They know of him. They know the history. They know the Bible. But this is more than a head knowledge. This is a heart Knowledge. Do we really know who Jesus is? And what I mean by that is, have we committed our life to him fully? Have we decided fully to trust Jesus with our life? Many people die today in churches out of tradition, out of, out of a lack of knowledge. Remember the Bible says, my people perish because of their lack of knowledge? We are to know God. We are to know Jesus Christ. And the only way you're going to know him is by reading his word, spending time in prayer, and spending time with his people. Prayerfully considering the word of God. That's the only way we are going to know him. And it says many people die, but how, how much more has the grace of God abounded to those who have made the choice to follow Jesus. How much more has the grace abounded to them? The gift is not like the result that came through the one who sinned, for the judgment from one sin led to, con to the condemnation, but the free gift which came after many trespasses leads to justification. Now, the Bible says prior to salvation... You and me, prior to salvation, God see, saw us as enemies. God saw us as trespassers. We were not friends of God. We were not 
children of God. We were enemies of God. We talked this morning in Sunday school about loving your enemies. God loved us. Even when we were unlovely, God loved us. And yet, he sent his son to die for us, to give us this eternal life, to be part of his family. And yet, we are enemies of God prior to that. And when we choose Jesus, then we are then imputed the justification and righteousness of God to our life, thereby making us sons and daughters of God, friends of God. We are no longer enemies, but we are his friends. But it all comes by a choice that we must make. He goes on and he says this, For if by one man's trespass death reigned through him, then how much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign, reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? How much more? You know, so many people think today they've got it all together. You know, they don't know Jesus, they don't go to church, but boy, they're successful. And boy, they are doing good things. And boy, they're, they're productive citizens. And they're probably really good people. But they're doing it through their own sin nature. They're doing it through their own desires. The grace of God only abounds in that everything that is they're counting good, God gave that to them. That's it. As a process for God to show them that he's there. See, there are so many people who consider themselves successful by what they've accomplished on their own. If you look at a lot of uh, millionaires that are not believers, they will attribute their wealth to their ingenuity, to their creativity, to their uh, wisdom in business, their savviness in dealings. But all of that was given to them by their Heavenly Father. Even down to the, even down, I'm going to submit to you, even down to the place where they went to school to learn those things, they were guided there. All of that was given to them by their Heavenly Father, and yet they don't acknowledge it. So how much more does the grace of God abound in us when we acknowledge it? When we acknowledge the grace of God in our lives and the things that God has done in our life, how much more does the grace of God abound in us when we acknowledge God? When we acknowledge his working in our life, how much more does that grace abound? Now, Therefore, just as through the trespass of one man came condemnation for all men, that's Adam and you and I, so through the righteous act of one came justification of life for all men. Jesus, his act of righteousness, his act of obedience to the Father, that's why we can have this ability to sit here today and rejoice in God. 
That's why we can have this ability to, to be an encouragement to others in Jesus Christ. That's why we can have this ability. Because of Jesus' obedience to the Father, that we can have this ability to encourage one another as others and others around us to know God. We talked about loving, loving others and loving your enemies today. You know how you can do that? Through the grace of God. And you couldn't do that without the obedience of Jesus Christ to the cross and the resurrection. You couldn't do that. There would be no way to do that. The grace of God moves through us through the reality of the resurrection. We wouldn't have this ability had Jesus never came, we would still be sacrificing cows and bulls and all kinds of things if Jesus had never came. But because of his act, our choice to serve him, to follow him, to live for him, makes us righteous in his sight. We are justified to God. We are reconciled to God through the obedience of Jesus Christ. Do we accept that? We can say, yeah, I understand that. I get it. I understand that. But have we made that real commitment to Christ? To follow him, to walk in his ways, to, to, to pray to get to know him in a real way. Have we made, really made that decision? That's a soul-searching moment. Have we really made that decision to follow God, to, to read his word, to study his word, to prayerfully consider what it says, and then allow God to move through it? Have we done that? For just as one, through one, man diso, one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, the many were made righteous. That righteousness is a choice. We must choose. We must choose God. We must choose Jesus. If you, if you, if you think about your life, if you think about your life and you think about what's going on in your life and you think about, well, you know, I'll try this, maybe this will work. I'll try that, maybe that'll work. I'll try this, maybe this will do something. If it's not working on your own, then there's a problem. Try Jesus. If it's not working, try Jesus. Unfortunately, this society, our society today, chooses Jesus as a last resort. And that baffles me as to why. I myself came to Jesus as a last resort. And I wondered why. And I wonder why, why, people, why people choose Jesus as a last resort. And my conclusion is it's all about upbringing. In my understanding, in my own life, it was about the understanding in myself that I could do it on my own, that I didn't need anybody else. I could figure it out. But when it came to the point where I couldn't figure it out and everything that I was doing was not working, 
The only thing left was Jesus. And when I gave him a try, and I say that literally because that's how I thought about it. I'll give Jesus a try. The floodgates of grace opened and the love of God over envelops me. And I'll tell you what, I've never been the same. I've never been the same. Jesus Christ changed me in a real way. And yet I came to him as a last resort. And it baffles me within my own reasoning, why did I come to him as a last resort? And it baffles me why people choose Jesus as a last resort when he is so great. When we're, mere words don't do justice to what he can do in our life if we are obedient to him. Verse 20, but the law entered so that sin might increase. But where sin increased, grace, grace abounded much more. I want to stop here for a moment and I want to talk about this because there's so many people that that talk about, well, the more I sin, the more God's grace abounds upon me. I've heard people say that. I've actually heard people say that. If I'm a sinner and I sin, then the Bible says that where their sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So I can go on and keep sinning. That is wrong. If you fall, if you pull out of the 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 fall out of the, the way of God or walk out of the, the the path of God, then you have pulled your allowed God to lift his hand from your life. God does not put more grace towards you as a sinner, although he wants you to become coming back. Sometimes he'll let you go and say, Go ahead. We see that portrayed in the prodigal son story. Go ahead. Have your way. See how that works out for you. That doesn't mean that his grace abounds and you can do what you want. That means God is going to give you that opportunity to do what you want. And let's just see how that works out. See how that works out for you. Ten to one, you'll end up back to God saying, God, forgive me. Because you realize how great God is. And you realize how much God uh, loves you and how much God desires for you to be part of his family. But the more we sin, the more we, we put a wedge between our relationship with him. And to a point where he says, you want this? Go ahead. Go ahead. When I was a kid, and I used to, believe it or not, I used to, I, I chopped wood a couple times. Didn't like it, but I did it, tried it, and I think I shocked my hands off the end of the axe more than I did anything else. But if you put a wedge in there, it splits that apart. Think about that as your relationship with God, and that sin is the wedge. And the more you push that wedge into that log, the farther apart that log is going to split where eventually it separates and it's in two pieces. Think about that as your relationship with God. That sin is the wedge. And the farther you drive that sin into that relationship with God, the farther that relationship is going to be. Now you can fix a log. You can take that log and you can apply enough glue and you can 
apply pocket holes and screws and you can apply clamps and you can put it back together but that log's never the same my log is never the same it's not the same log that it was when you started it's a different log it's got things in it same as a relationship with God when you walk away from God and you come back that relationship is never the same it's never the same it's different you'll have to battle more you know with a log I've done woodworking I know woodworking and I know how glue reacts sometimes and joints react to humidity and dryness and things with a log the same way and a relationships the same way you'll have to deal with things with a log or with woodworking you have to deal with humidity issues and dry issues and and moisture and all of these things and whether things screws are gonna pop through or nails are gonna pop through you have to deal with those things when you when you have that relationship with God and then all of a sudden it gets worse and you've got to come back to God it's never the same you deal with things you deal with the idea of well, the sin might coming back the, the the temptation of the sin having full reign in in, in your body uh, you deal with the idea that that then and the possibility in your mind thinking God doesn't love me the same as he did and 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 I'm not I'm not uh, where I need to be and you deal with these things when you let sin into your life as a believer and it's not dealt with properly we all sin though you know we all sin we all have issues we all sin whether it be anything from you know um, holding a grudge gossip tail-bearing to something as grievous as you name it we all sin but it's what we do with it do we recognize the sin at the time that it's happening and say God help me forgive me or do we recognize it prior to taking action and say God protect me from doing this thing that's how you keep the wedge out of the the log you allow God to move in your life and you ask God for help but even if that relationship is broken you can still mend it back together but it'll never be the same it'll never be the same God's love towards you does not change but our perception of God does change our perception of ourself and our relationship with God does change and it, it is it is a different relationship God loves you and wants you to understand that we need to stay as I said last week under the spout where the glory comes out stay in God even though it's difficult listen you know I I struggle with things this summer and I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell it myself um, I am not accustomed to not having hardly any time with God I'm not accustomed to that I do my Bible reading still and I do my Bible study 
still, but it's not on the schedule. And it's not as much as I'd like. It's every day, but it's when I have the time, and it's maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. I'm accustomed to every set time in the morning for two to three hours or whatever God lays on my heart. I'm, I'm accustomed to that because that's what I've been doing for so long. And now that it's summertime, that's difficult. And so I struggle with my own understanding of am I doing enough? Of course the answer is always no. We're not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. But I struggle with that. Now does that mean that I'm a bad person? Does that mean that I have issues? Uh, I have issues within myself saying, thinking that I'm not where I need to be because I only take 20 minutes a day. Well, that's, that's good on some days. But I'll tell you, that kind of thinking that I put in within myself, that kind of thinking can cause me to even sin. I mean, not that I'm incapable of it, but it can cause me to, to think less of my relationship and, it, and, and then a person is apt to, to give up because they're not accustomed to something. What I'm saying to say all this is that when things change in your life, relationships change, maybe God's relationship and your relationship is not the same as it once was, don't give up on that relationship. Keep moving forward. Keep building that relationship. Keep building it. Build that relationship with God, even though it's changing. Or even though maybe it did change. Maybe, maybe it was broken and now it's back together, but it's different. Keep working on that relationship with God. See, so many people... Today, today's day and age, the whole thing, this whole divorce thing really baffles me. I remember when I was a child back in the late 1800s. No, I'm joking. But when I, when I was a child in the 70s, people got divorced all the time, but you never heard about it. You never heard about it. They didn't talk about it. Especially, I grew up Catholic, especially if you're Catholic, you didn't talk about that. Nobody got, if you were in the Catholic Church, you didn't get divorced. You worked it out. In today's day and age, it's so hard for people to just work it out. You know, just to work it out. You have, relationships change. Sometimes relationships are broken. Marriages get broken. Trust gets, gets yanked out from under the relationship. Or maybe even, or maybe even something more than that. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, something worse. But yet, people, when I was growing up, found a way to work it out. They didn't give up on each other. They built the relationship. Today's day and age, so many people they give up. Well, he 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 talked bad about me to my friends, and so therefore I'm gonna I'm gonna divorce him. I don't like the way he looks in the morning, so I'm gonna divorce him. Or I don't like the way this that I'm gonna divorce him. Well, I'm sorry. Pray for that person, whatever that whatever it is, the wife or the husband. Pray for that person. Now, 
understand that the only thing that God says is good, that is applicable for a divorce, is marital infidelity. Now, that is something that God says you can divorce someone for that. If someone is a, is cheated on you, or or has or has uh, walked away from their vows that they proclaimed in front of God, then then that is okay. But we in this society have chosen to take the word to take the action of divorce and make it for anything. You know, it's like when when uh, I was dating other people. If I didn't like the way they talked to me, I could just say, we're breaking up. Today, if somebody doesn't look the way that they should look or, or they say a crossword or something, sometimes that ends up in a divorce. And that's not proper. That's not what God means. There are things that constitute a biblical divorce, and those things are uh, infidelity, the, the shifting away of the vows, you know, if you, if you give up your vows, if you, you, you turn away from your vows, then yes, God says you can leave that relationship. But for the minor things that people get divorced for today, that's not right with God. We're to work those things out. We're to work those things out. Because in that situation of showing the love of God to someone... Uh, that might bring that person to the Lord. You never know. You know, I talked about my father last week, and my father and I were estranged for 10, 10 plus years. And I was a believer through a lot of that. I was a believer through a lot of that estrangement. And I thought, well, I forgive my father. And I think I dealt with this a little bit last week, where I had to then, I had to then, come to the place where I had to go before my father and ask for forgiveness. But once I did that, this relationship grew, and I put aside all of that stuff, and my father came to be a believer. Yeah, I had issues with my father still, some things he would say and some things he would do. I had some issues with my father, but I put those things aside for the betterment of my father's salvation. And my father came to know the Lord, and my father's with Jesus right now, and I look forward to seeing him again. And see, those kinds of things, if I would have just said, well, I forgive you, Dad, bye, and never talked to him again, he wouldn't be in heaven right now. But I had to build that relationship. I had to work it out. We, we, we work these things out. We work these things out. And God, God honors us for that. Now, so many things in our life, so many things in, in, in my life have been things that would have turned someone away from the Lord, could have turned someone away from, turned me away from the Lord. But I've had to work those things out. I had to not give up on that relationship with God. Their relationship with God was more important to me than how someone felt about me or how someone talked about me or how someone uh, said, you know, said things about me behind my back. And there were times when I doubted uh, whether I was on the right path. 
But I kept going, and I kept working with God, and I kept doing what God wanted me to do, and God proved me wrong that I was on the right path and not on the wrong one. And so therefore, we must, we must continue to walk with God. If we want to be righteous before God, we must continue to walk with God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Now, Next week will be in chapter 6. Uh, 6, 7, and 8 bring a really good... I love 6, 7, and 8 in this, in this book. We will be bringing uh, the, the word through there. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and read chapter 6 this week and study through it, that's great. If not, we're going to study through it anyway. Uh, so allow that to work in your heart tonight. Um, if you want to join in on the Bible study at 7.15, 7.15 on Facebook, Bible study, uh, you're able to join in on that if you'd like to, if you have the time. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, help us to understand your word. Help us to know that you love us so much. Help us to know that your grace and your mercy um, are abounding around us. And Lord, that we must continue in this relationship with you in order to enjoy the blessings and the grace. Help us as a family and as individuals to desire to grow in you, to desire that greater relationship with you, that Lord, you would be uh, blessed through it all as we minister to you as and, and to others. Father, we just pray that you would give us a good week this week. Minister to us tonight, today and this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, may the Lord be with you today. Help you to grow in grace and knowledge of God as you walk in his ways and as you trust him and all that you do. God bless you. Thank you for being here. <laughs>